Tonight, turn if you would to Luke chapter 2. Very familiar, familiar passage of scripture. If you guys go through the King James Bible, that'd be page 1073. Luke chapter 2. And just one verse, verse number 7. Very, very, very familiar passage of scripture. And, uh, I said this morning, God's word is always fresh. She made a statement that I, I, I would hope that I, all of us would get. She said, I'm reading the Bible for the first time. You know what would do us all well that's been saved for many years? Is to pick up the Bible as if we're reading it for the first time. How many of you read something in the Word of God and you said, well, I, I know what that's going to, I know what all that is. I know all there is about it. And, and you're reading, you, you know all there is about it, so there's a tendency just to skip over it. How many's done that? Go ahead and get honest. You know you have. And the truth of the matter is, because we think we know it, what we fail to understand is that if we approach it as if it's the first time God's got something there you had never seen before, and it'd be especially for you. And I, I just love, that's the marvel of the Word of God. Luke chapter 2, verse 7. Let's all stand together one more time. Just one verse. She brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was... Now, what's the next two words? For them in the end. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the end. I've titled this, No Room, with this little statement underneath the bottom of it. The God of every circumstance. The God of every circumstance. Let's go to the throne of grace. And I don't know if I have ever asked him, so if he's not up to it, just just, just nod. Uh, ben, can you lead us to the throne of grace? All right. Amen. Luke chapter 2 is so familiar. We've all read it. Setting Mary and Joseph's watching as Jesus sleeps in a clean wooden feeding trough. Glowing lights surround baby Jesus. The straw is fresh. The stars are twinkling. Cattle and sheep are resting, and a faithful donkey's watching. Shepherds and wise men come and bow and worship. It's amazing. Our government won't even allow this scene on government property today. But the real problem here is 
that bears little reality of what that was. Tonight, if you could have been just sitting over to one side and watching this take place, that is not what you would have saw at all. Now, I'm not here to bust your bubble about what your perception of that is, but the truth is, that's not reality. Reality was, it was a very busy, hustle and bustle time. They were there to pay their taxes. It was a, a, a place that wasn't very clean. As a matter of fact, the strong probably wasn't fresh. It might have been, but probably not. The Son of God came to earth to be born in a stable. And the Bible says, because there was no room in the inn. Why was there no room? Oh, I've, I've read a lot of different things this week and one man, one writer said, you know, same reason there's no room for Jesus in our hearts. We crowd Him out. We're too crowded. We're too busy. Too busy. We're too cluttered. Too busy living for this world. And then that day would have been no different that they were just told so busy and everybody's, everybody's busy, busy, busy and everybody, no, no one. It would have, it would have made their comfort zone less than what they wanted. But here's the question I have. I am convinced according to the authority of the Word of God that God is sovereign. The fact that He is all-powerful and all-knowing. You say, preacher, I don't know if I believe that. Your disbelief or belief of that does not change that. I said this morning, God doesn't change because of our belief or thinking about anything. God's God and that's not going to change. And He's sovereign. He's all-powerful and all-knowing. Here's my question. God, couldn't you have done any better than this? I know my thinking is not exactly right with the way some of you may think, but as I read it, I thought, God, couldn't... I know you're almighty, you're all-powerful. Couldn't, couldn't you have beat this? Surely this could have... This scene is I, as I'm, I'm, I'm sitting up here in the corner and I'm, I, and I'm watching this and, and I, and I, and I see a very tired looking man. Perhaps pulling an old donkey that's as tired as the man is. I see a lady that's, I mean, very large. Almost ready to give birth. I believe she is and if the man's tired and the donkey's tired, could you imagine where she's at? Worn out. I mean, just, just, oh, uh, just totally exhausted. Come into a sta- to a, to a stable and start cleaning off a place. And I'm watching all of this and I'm thinking, God seems like you could have done better than this. I mean, Here's God in a flesh. 
coming from heaven to earth. And the best we knew is a statement. And my question to God is, why would you choose a statement? I mean, this is God in flesh. This is King of kings and Lord of lords. You do know He was God before He came. You do know that, don't you? He didn't start in Bethlehem before the mudslides of this world was ever laid. He was. He says, I'm the Alpha and the Omega. I'm the beginning, I'm the end. There's never been a time He was not. And as He comes to this place, my question is, why did you choose a stable? I mean, I'm just ashamed with you as I was reading this very familiar portion of Scripture. Why in the world would you choose a stable? stable? It it just doesn't make any sense. But i got to ask you a question. Have you had some circumstances in your life that just didn't make any sense? That you just couldn't wrap your mind around. and I mean, you just couldn't literally, you, you, you just couldn't, you, you, you looked at it from every angle that you know, look at it and, and, certain, and, and you throw your hands up and say, this doesn't make sense to me. And if you've never had some of them, come and see me after service. I got a book of them. Of circumstances. That just doesn't make sense. Bethlehem today is a fairly large town located about seven, eight miles south of Jerusalem. But then it would have been a tiny Jewish village town. It would have been one of the most least important places in the world. Few shepherds lived there and the farmers. And it was only famous because King David was King David's hometown. Caesar Augustus in Rome was moved by God, decreed a census that all the people would go back to their hometown to pay their taxes. Since Joseph was a descendant from David, he had to return to Bethlehem. It happened. Wow. Does anything just happen with God? Here she is in her final stages. They arrive in Bethlehem. And God just put everything right in order. Right way and right time. Mary and Joseph arrived exactly when the Old Testament prophet Micah said this, But thou, Bethlehem, Ephrata, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me, that is to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from old and from everlasting. What seemed to be a chance was literally the hand of God moving through history to accomplish His purpose. may shock you. I decided to come tonight. No, you're here by the divine hand of God. It may shock you, but God squeezed one little vessel around your heart and you'll be down at fly. 
hooked up the monitors. Now, you say, picture that one. Oh, yeah, you can. Oh, yeah, you can. See, part of our problem, though, in understanding this story is understanding the end. See, when we read this passage, and we say there was no, because there was no room for them in the end, our first thought goes to Holiday Inn, Hampton Inn, three floors, large lobby, Coke machine on every floor, a hot shower. And, and we're calling it roughing it if the ice machine's broken. We have to walk to another floor. Truth of the matter was, in that day, travel was not like that at all. An inn was simply a building where they could rest safely during the night. Luke used two different words for the word end. The one word he used was a, a small building on one end of the building. You tied your donkeys and, and horses up and you paid a fee and the innkeeper allowed you to sleep on a rough mattress on the floor and he kept a fire going all night and provided food for the animals. But then the other end, and by the way, the, that, that end is the one that he talks about in Luke 10, 34. And he went to him and bound up his wounds and poured in oil and wine and set him on his own beast and brought him to an, an inn. That inn was that larger inn where you could pay a fee and someone would take care of you. But then there was a second inn. It was even smaller and simpler. Most theologians believe it was a more of a cave than a structure as you and I would think about a stable. It was a place where animals were kept from wandering during the night. And mostly the end that they're talking about here was that kind of a place. You say, why? Because there was no room. Behold it. We have a tendency to think, well, there was no room for... Jesus. But don't miss this. There wasn't no room for Joseph either. There wasn't no room for Mary either. This was a story bigger than just Jesus. There was no room for none of them. Perhaps that full night, someone said, why, why didn't somebody, well, Perhaps the ends were filled up and they go to the door and they knock on the door and the innkeeper said, I'm sorry, every place is taken. Simply no room. I wonder how many times God comes to our lives and He knocks on our heart's door and says, as you do it in the book of Revelation, He said, if you'll open the door, I'll come in, I'll sup with you and you with me. We now fellowship. And all of a sudden we open the door and we are, listen, no room, Jesus. I don't have room for you. I'm sorry, I'm filled up. I don't have no room for you. We're filled up with this world. We're filled up with making money. We're filled up with a whole lot of things. When the reality is at the end of the day, they're not going to be of no value whatsoever. Filled up. Perhaps there was no room because they were poor and they could not pay. Innkeeper said, I, I've got a place, but the, the, the only place I've got is the most expensive suite. And 
Joseph would have said, I'm sorry I got my tax, I got money to pay my taxes, and that's all that I have. I have a sister, some of you don't know this, I have a sister that I've never seen. She died when she was around six months old. And, and uh, years ago, I asked my dad, I said, my mom, I said, what happened to Maxine? Why, why did she die? And one of the things that they said, well, she got sick. And we didn't have any money to pay the doctors. And so she passed away. I said, wow, what a challenge. Perhaps... They saw that Mary was pregnant. When you're about ready to give birth, you don't hide it. Matter of fact, the closer you get, you don't hide it. It's in, and perhaps she looked and said, we, we don't, we, we don't want that scream, screaming. I, I was, went to visit someone and, and all I done, we, we walked down the hallway and I heard screaming and I thought, oh God, thank you, Jesus, for making me a man. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. I mean, screaming. And they perhaps said, we, 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 we can't handle that. Our guests that are paid cannot be disturbed. From a human point of view, nothing in this story looks right or makes sense. And that's the way it is with the circumstances in our lives. Sometimes they just don't make sense. Sometimes the circumstances just don't, we, we, they just don't make any sense to it. But while there was no room, but notice, why does God do this? I, I, I said earlier, I, I, He's a sovereign God. But what we must understand is, God didn't just do this. God didn't allow this. God ordained this. Wow. Oh. You mean that, that trial, that circumstance I'm in, God may be ordaining that? He may very well be. Some of you are going to like this. And, uh, now I wouldn't laugh if I were you. It may happen to you next week. But we, after years, I talked to David about redoing the ceiling in my, in my little kitchen, in just a little square, not, not maybe 10, but 10 little, the, and it's got Siltex, and Siltex probably been out there since the 50s. And so, I, I talked, me, we talked how many times? Time and time and time again. But you know, I just kept putting it off and putting it off. So I decided to get up now because I was going to run me a little old cable. Now don't get ahead of my story. I was going to run me a little old cable. And, and honestly, I don't remember stepping on it. But no doubt I did. The next thing I do, I look down and I saw the kitchen floor. That is not a good sign. That is not a good sign. And insulation all over creation. And I was very frustrated. <laughs> very frustrated. So David came and blessed his heart he, yesterday and he, we, we, we fixed my ceiling. We done all the, the sheetrock and he's, he's so good at that. And, um, and this morning early I got up and I got to thinking as I was looking at that, I said, well, Lord, thank you. Because I would have never done that until I had to have done it. See, sometimes the circumstances... Don't make sense. 
God ordained this scene. What I want you to see tonight, God ordained this thing. Matter of fact, every part of this. Now we got a few ladies in our church that are, that, that are expecting it. Isn't it amazing? Could you imagine in the last steps of the, of your, uh, of your having the baby, the last few, the last stages of it, your husband says, listen, we got to make a 90 mile trip by Shoe Leather Express and Donkey. 90 miles. I wonder how many of you would have said, no way. This ain't happening. This ain't happening. But she did. And, and as a matter of fact, in the last stages of flying, they won't let you fly if you're in the last stages of pregnancy. Mary would still be awoken today. They had no privacy, no sanitation, very little protection. Why would God send His Son into a world like this? Well, Charles Spurgeon preached this wonderful message. Here's, here's what he said. First of all, Christ was born like this because where else would a lamb be born? John 1, 36, and the Bible says, And looking unto Jesus as he walked, he said, Behold, the Lamb of God. Tonight, where would you expect a lamb to be born? Would you expect a lamb to be born in a palace? Would you expect a lamb to be born in a beautiful home? Would you expect a lamb to be born inside an inn? No, you expect a lamb to be born in a stable. You say, why, why is that such a big deal? Because that lamb that was born that day was my lamb that would die for my sins and become my sacrifice. Do you understand where else would a lamb be born? Not only that, but it wouldn't be fitting for Jesus to be robed in purple at His birth. All of His life, He would be not much more than a peasant. He, 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 borrowed, he borrowed His tomb. He borrowed the house that He stayed. Everything that He had was borrowed or used by some, that someone else had given Him. No, nothing is more fitting than Jesus to be born in a manger. Third, he was born like this because everyone had access to the stable. The poor. I don't know where you was when Jesus found you. He found me. I spoke as a convict. I was a little boy at Acres Grove Baptist Church, just 11 years old. I, 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 I told this story so many times, but I just like telling it. So act like you like hearing it. And uh, I, I remember sitting and I said, God, I've got nothing to give to you. And I remember sitting there and God said, listen, but God, if you'll save me, I'll give you myself. God said, I'll take you up on it. The poor would have been fitting in a palace. The poor would not have been welcomed Many of the poor were not, the poor did not stay in the inn. But the poor could go to the stable. I'm glad to hear this tonight, that Jesus was born in a stable so that every person. Years ago, years ago, my dear brother, a man came here and he, um, 
And, and no, no question, he was, he was very well to do. I know a cheap suit when I see one, I wear them all the time, amen. And, uh, and I know an expensive suit when I see one of them, and, and I don't covet it, but they'd be nice to have one one of these days. Probably one five, six hundred dollars suit. As he come down the aisle, and he said, we're visiting, and he said, uh, he said, now listen, so when I, I visit a church, they, they, they usually take me out to lunch. I said, well, sir, let me just go ahead and just let you know right now. If you walked in the back doors and you're a multi-millionaire, if you walked in the back doors and you got two nickels to rub together, you're going to be, one's going to be just as welcome as the other. I don't want this place to ever be a place where certain class of people, as a matter of fact, one of the things that amazes me, People come and visit our church, and I don't know what their expectations are, but when they look at us, some of us, they say, wow, you're just like me. You're just like us. You know why? Because the poor, the, 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 the Lord, in, in the eyes of the poor, the impure robes excited no uh, affection whatsoever. And anyone and everyone will be invited to come to the manger don't miss his. Couldn't it happen any other way? Why was he born? Why did God allow this? Because where else would a lamb be born? Second. Well, this is amazing to me. Where else but here would a baby be placed in a trough made of wood and he was bearing the only cross a baby can bear? As they laid him in that wooden manger, it became a top of what 33 and a half years later he would do. That night when they laid him in that manger, it became the only cross that a baby could bear. But from the moment he came into this world, he came to bear that cross came to bear that cross. Little did they know that when they laid that little boy inside that cradle, I should have gotten my wooden cradle out, Brother Watson. We can find it. I don't even know where it's at. And we could have put, we could have put Levi in it because the only cross, the only cross that a baby could bear was a manger. Don't miss this. Jesus' coming was no accident. Jesus' coming was no, no flitting chance. Jesus' coming was for no other reason but to come to seek and to save that which was lost. Do you understand tonight? That if you're, Heather, do you understand tonight? Jesus did that to save you Wednesday night. Had you been the only one, Heather, he would have done exactly what he did. And that's something. See, there was no halos. There was no angels visible. No choirs singing. Had you been there, had you been sitting on the edge, you would have said, well, just another poor couple down on their luck. Shame that the baby had to be born in a manger. You would have went on. You were saying, not realizing. He's king of kings and Lord of lords.
Hallelujah. I see. I'm beginning to see God's fingerprints all over this scene. Why was there no room in the end? Why does Jesus do this? What can we learn from this scene? May I say, first of all, we can learn this. God uses circumstances that makes no sense at the time in order to accomplish His purpose. No room simply seemed like a small detail, but I assure you it was no small detail to Joseph and Mary. I promise you it was no small detail to them. No room when the baby was coming must have been devastating. No room would have tested their faith to its limit. The Bible says, Without faith, it's impossible to please Him, for we must believe that He is, and reward of them that diligently seek Him. As a matter of fact, if you're saved, you're saved by faith. By putting your faith and trust in Jesus. And life's like that. We don't know when it's coming, what's coming, around the corner. I probably wouldn't use this illustration had it not been the fact that she's not here tonight, and that's okay. You pray for her. June, dear man, sitting up here, right where some of you are sitting now. Had no idea, went to the doctor. He's having some pain in his legs and went to the doctor to get some to get them veins unstopped. And the doctor come in and said this and well, I can fix your legs, but that's not your problem, sir. That's not your problem. You got something worse than that. You got pancreatic cancer. And I buried him a week and a half ago. Who would have ever dreamed that starting this year, as this year comes almost, we're, we're quickly, who would have ever dreamed that in just a few days he would not be here? I, life's that way. He would have had no, he looked at me, he said, had no idea, preacher, no idea. And he never. See, life's like that. Instead of the no room moments, and trying to explain the ways of God, and trying to answer unanswerable questions, we do better, better just to rest on what we know about God. He's good. He's just and merciful. His ways are not our ways and He makes no mistakes. He does whatever He pleases. The Bible says in Psalms 115.3, But our God is in the heavens. He hath done whatsoever He hath pleased. Second, we learn the world still has no room for Christ. He came unto His own and His own received Him not. Jesus come to a Jewish race of people he come to be their Messiah. He become the son of the kingdom. And they turned from him. And Jesus moved from them to a Gentile race of people, you and I. He come to a people that should have been looking for him. Should have been desiring him. But you know what? The world then and now had no room for him. Thirdly, Savior's birth was a picture of the whole course of his life. 
He came from the outside of this earth. He was born outside the inn, and he died outside the city walls. For you see, he didn't come to stay. He come to be the Lamb of God and die as a sacrifice. He didn't come to stay. He never come to stay. Fourth, just as there was no room for Jesus, don't miss this, there was no room for Joseph or Mary either. She brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room, and notice this, for them in the end. I've always heard that phrase made this way, there was no room for him in the end. I've heard, that's why I've always heard that. This week as I was reading it again, I said, wow, they didn't have no room for none of that crowd. And we choose tonight to serve God and love God and give Him our very best. If we make the choice to serve God, I promise you there's not going to be any room. They're not going to have any room in this world for you and me. You say, preacher, why, why don't they get rid of us? They can't. They could, they would. We're not going to leave out of here until Jesus says we're leaving out of here. But don't miss this. One day we will. And then they'll be shed of us. But the only problem is they'll be left behind. There was no room for Jesus, but there was no room for Mary, and there was no room for Joseph either. We come to the end of the story. And I'm wondering tonight, is there room in your heart for Jesus this Christmas? How many, now it's okay, We're not going, I'm not going to boo you out. Boy, I tell you, kids love Christmas, don't they? Amen. We, we, we had a time, we've had a time over the years keeping youngins out of the, out of the gifts. And, uh, and especially uh, uh, the little ones ain't no problem. The bigger kids. Well, love gets, how many of you have been busy trying to buy gifts and buy presents? It's okay. You got kids, you should. You know why? Because we build it around that. But I wonder tonight, is there room in your heart for Jesus this Christmas? The sequence of events that unfolded here is unbelievable. The senses. The long journey, no room in the end, no crib for a bed, a feeding trough, swallowing blows. A little boy was in a Christmas program. And he had been practicing his part, and he was the innkeeper of the Christmas. And he only had one line. There's no room in the end. That was, that was his only line, and he had practiced it and practiced it and practiced it. And he was so ready. The knock came to the door. He opened the door and Joseph stood there and they had made up Mary with the large baby. And and looking very, very pregnant and ready to go. And the little boy looked He said, there's no room in the inn. 
But you can have my room. But you can have my room. Some thought that the Christmas pageant had been ruined. But later on, it was found to be the best one ever. The little boy crying come to the director later. I just couldn't send Jesus away. I had to find a place to put him. I just couldn't. Spurgeon said in this text, even as an infant laid in a manger, he was a sinner's friend. And tonight, he's your friend. And he is the God of all circumstances. Everything in this picture has the fingerprint of God upon him. Nothing was an accident. And you know why? Because he could say to you, Come to him, you that are weary and heavy laden. Come to him, you that are broken in spirit, or ye who are bowed down in soul. He could say, Come to him that you despise yourself and are despised of others. Come to him, sinner, and he'll save you. In a manger where he lies, he's unguarded from your touch, unshielded from your gaze. Someone has said, anybody, some of the kids around this church, they're what I coin our church kids. Say, what do you mean by church kids? Everybody plays with them. Everybody carries them around. Everybody, everybody does. We, we just swap them around. I just, I was watching kids just swapped around from one person. Just they're just all over the church, and and when they start walking, they're all over the church. And I love it. I love it. And Jesus in that manger. Anyone, anyone. The worst sinner could have walked in and bowed beside the manger. The wealthiest man in town could have walked in and bowed beside the manger. The smartest man could have walked in and bowed beside... The dumbest man could have walked in and bowed. The harlot could have walked in and bowed. The thief could have walked in and bowed. The drunkard could have walked in and bowed. The dope could have walked in and bowed beside that manger. And you know what tonight is? He's still there. And wherever you're at, whatever you need, if you're tonight lost, He'll save you. It's a room in your heart for Him. If you're here tonight and you, you say, Preacher, I know beyond a doubt I'm saved. But there's something heavy in your heart, something, something troubling you, challenging you. You're, you're concerned about something. He says, come unto me. Come in. Take my yoke, because my burden is easy. Won't you come and let him help you? Brother Joey, let's come get us a song. Let's all stand on our feet. Every head bowed, every eye closed.